Welcome to the GMS Podcast with Jorge M. Sanchez. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. Today's guest is comedian Tyler Standard. He's a young comedian out here in San Jose, California, but already making big strides. Uh, we had a great chat about comedy and about an incident that happened lately, and uh, I think it... Uh, I think I brought a good perspective about the relationship between an audience member and a performer. Before we go on to that, please subscribe to the JMS Podcast if you have not already on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and on SoundCloud. Please check out social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for JMS Podcast. And uh, also check out the JMSPodcast.com website for all the content available. And support this podcast by sharing it around on social media or by simply uh, donating. There is a Patreon account now available. Any little bit helps. The link to the Patreon account is on the website. So uh, once again, visit jmspodcast.com. Thanksgiving has come and gone, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys are doing well. Hopefully the family dinners were not as awkward as you expect to them to be. And if they were, well, you know. There's nothing much you can do, I guess. You just try to be a better person every year. Uh, I myself am trying to do that. It's that holidays where I, I mean, I, I, I mean, it's pretty bad admitting this, but I, I don't really have time to visit my my further extensive family. You know, I, uh, I'm so busy doing numerous things on this side of town, and it's good to, to see them. It's good to see them on the holidays. It's good to catch up and to uh, to realize that uh, their kids are getting older and, and bigger. And, and you're realizing, wow, I, I'm pretty behind. All my cousins, are, they're becoming uh, parents. And here is my mother over here trying to beg me to find someone. She wants grandkids. And, uh, and uh, the anxiety just ramps up on the holidays because of all that. But that's okay. Thanksgiving, I survived it. I, uh, I, uh, I am definitely getting fatter. I, I think I'm getting ready for Christmas, for the tamales. I, I, it's become an issue. Uh, I'm, I'm getting too, too big. I should really, I should really do something about that. It's getting to the point where I catch myself, um, uh, listening to my own breathing. You know, when I'm just simply, um, sitting around. I'm like, it's not a good sign. I don't think I'm supposed to hear myself breathe. Uh oh. And uh, and sure enough, my, my the pictures of myself. I'm not really digging them. So I think uh, I think I should really make an effort to to get into a gym. All right, I, I did not mean to go to that tangent, but on that note, let's uh, let's head on over to Tyler Standard. Let's go see what's he what is he about, and uh, let's go see what's up. Alright, Tyler Standard, I'm so sorry that we it's kinda kinda <laughs> rushing it in. No, it's all good. I, I got held back a bit at, at a at a jam session. Did yeah. you know I play music? Yeah, I knew, but I, I don't think I've uh, heard any of your music before. Yeah, you're not missing out. <laughs> um you know, yeah, you know, I got a couple new songs and I, I went to my bass player and we just started jamming out and I just lost track of time. Yeah, so time my apologies <laughs> on, on having you uh Wait a bit. Oh no, I it wasn't any wait at all. I, I like pulled up and then you like I got out, forgot my stuff, and then you came around the corner. It was like perfect timing. Uh, I, I broke a couple a couple uh, state laws trying to get here. <laughs> Speeding laws. Well, that's okay. I I did that. I wasn't even in a rush. You told me to take my time. <laughs> <laughs> and you just got to work, right? You have yeah. two. You still have two jobs. Yes, I do. And this one's uh, the sushi restaurant, yes. right? Sushi Confidential and Campbell. Is it, is, how confidential is the place? Like, what's up with the name? Uh, I get, the name comes from our owner. I guess, um, in college, he would make sushi and had sushi parties, because, like, sushi, sushi parties? Yeah, because it's, uh, it's expensive, and you're a college student, so you can't afford it, so he, like, really liked to bring people together and do that, mm -hmm. but, um, I don't know, I guess he's never even been to Japan <laughs> is he even Japanese? No, he's this really white dude named Randy. And Just culturally appropriating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm more proud to him, I guess. Yeah. Um, it it kind of reminds me. I'm not sure. There's a headline I saw in a, on social media about this woman in San Diego, where she tried to do her own um, fruit cart. 
Because, you know, a lot of uh, Mexican immigrants, they t- have these food carts uh-huh. uh, where they would, you know, uh, you know, try to sell food in the streets or so, like vendors, street vendors. So this this white lady tried to do it, and she got a lot of flack for it. You know, they blamed her for culturally appropriating. <laughs> which Businesses. I mean, I, I understand the sentiment, yeah. you know, but at the same time, that's a little too extreme. Was she selling, like, um, Toasty Locos and stuff like that? No, she was just, from what I've seen, though, like, she was just high-end fruit cups. <laughs> you know, like... I don't know. It's, that's, that's weird. Don't get me wrong, though. Like, like if someone fucks up a, a culture, cultural food, yeah. I get it. Like, I knew a, a person who would, a white guy, who would, when he made tamales, uh, he would inject the filling in the tamale. Oh, God. You know, instead yeah. of, like, you know, putting the filling and then, you know, really working it with your hands. Yeah. Um, and, and Authentic. So, right. Authentic. <laughs> the whole, you know, ejection part of it. I was it's, like... What? Sounds like factory made stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like, a, like a syringe and jam it in there. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad to have you here, though. Um, yeah, I'm glad to be here. I, I've met you through the comedy circuit, primarily for yep. Scott. Was for Scotty the place we met? Yes. Yeah, because you hosted it, and then uh, I would just come there to do the mics. That wasn't your first mic, though, was it? Actually, for Scotty was the um, mixed mic. I did the mixed mic first, my first time. The Tuesday night. Yeah, and right. I um. I did like two minutes. It was my first time going up. I did like two minutes. I had no idea how it was going. I was just so nervous and scared. And then after I did like, I still had tons of jokes, but I did like six jokes and then I got off the stage as soon as I can. <laughs> and then I didn't come back for a while. I came back to Friscotti on a comedy night. Yeah. But it was when Victor hosted it. Oh, that far back. Yeah, but it, I, I only got him once as a host. Okay. Yeah, and then I think you switched back. Uh-huh. Or, I came then, back. Yeah, and then um, someone else was hosting it for a little bit. Oh, probably Jacob or Miranda? Yeah, Jacob and then Miranda, yeah. So yeah. I've been through both of those and stuff. But for Scott, is my favorite mic. I really oh, love the Oh, thank you so no, much. I, I really mean that. It's such yeah. a fun room. Yeah, I always have fun. I'm room. blushing. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. I really am. You know, I think early on it was very important to create a mic that is not only a place uh, for comedians to work their stuff, but a comfortable place to hang out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, for Scotty does have that vibe where it's like, uh, it just feels nice to sit there with your friends. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you could see people upstairs, you know, just holding it down for hours up there working on projects and whatnot. Because I know that's, uh, you know, it's common for a lot of comedians to go to a mic, do their do their set and then leave yeah uh and it, with for scotty it's always trickier because it's earlier than most mics on mm-hmm. wednesday so it's like the first mic they, they hit off yeah uh so i just like well at least it's a cool hangout pre you know yeah pre-party See, i like to get there early to hang out with people and stuff yeah and then uh uh me and like ryan and stuff we would always meet up there for writing sessions you know when zach pierce still lived down here and stuff it was just a great room i think mm-hmm. and uh, how has your comedy changed since? I mean, I know you're only you're, you're barely what two years in. Yeah, I'm gonna be two years in December. Uh huh. Okay. And um, I'd say my comedy, I, I don't know, cause it's a very since I do one liners, it's a very kind of direct style of just joke after joke. Um, I think just my stage presence and then my delivery and timing just got better. You definitely look yeah. more comfortable on stage. Yeah, cause I used to like seriously just rock like for some reason i rock it back and forth up there yeah and uh i guess i just found comfort in that but um yeah i i figured that was distracting for people when i'm telling jokes so i just became who, more did, who told you that my manager at the improv actually when i did the san jose competition the improv yeah. competition yeah um because yeah i did like was it human yeah human rest oh. in peace human <laughs> oh yeah i heard he's no longer working there yeah Unfortunately, yeah, but he's not dead for the listeners. Yeah, because you went. <laughs> no, he's still he's out peace. there. He's out there. <laughs> Actually, he might be dead. I haven't talked to him <laughs> since he left. <laughs> Wait, so were you working at the improv before you tried stand up, or was it kind of the same um, time? So I tried stand up the first time at the Tuesday mic, probably like two or three months before um, I actually really got into it and applied to the improv. I'd say like right after I got my job. Is when I wanted to take it more seriously and actually start hitting mics. Mm-hmm. 
but I was under 21, so I could only do, like, for Scotty and stuff like that. That's probably, like... Michalateca wasn't around at the time? Oh, no, yeah, it was going on, but it, it was always, like, when Ben ran it, it was really good, and then it went to Jacobs, it was still good, and then Elijah took over, mm-hmm. and um, just people stopped coming, mm-hmm. and uh, I still went, because Elijah would bring his friends and stuff, but... Um, yeah, that was that, that mic was a little bit weird because it was on like right on the street too. <laughs> so you had just like ambulances going by right on 10th Street right there. It's a tough stage, man, especially yeah. with the conditions. Yeah, like if it rained, <laughs> it sucked. Yeah, exactly. And then all the homeless people that would walk by and just interrupt your set. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. But it was a fun room. So so you, you were hitting up mics under 21, and when did you, at what point did you start working at the Improv? Uh. I think I got the job there when I was, yeah, 19, because uh, I got it the day before New Year's Eve, and then, um, so I started to work there, and, like, Terry Dorsey, a bunch of other comedians, Paul, Ben, they all worked there, uh-huh. and um, so they would, like, go and hit mics and stuff, too, so then that just, like, it's like, all right, well, <laughs> I got to do it now if they're all doing it, and it really forced me to do it, because... I don't know. I love comedy and stuff, but sometimes it's hard to get out of the house to to go and do it. To like go you do get five burnt, minutes. Like you get burnt out. Not burnt it? out. Just probably laziness sometimes, mm. especially like working this much. Uh, I don't have a lot of free time to myself, so when I do, I like to take advantage of it. I hear you. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> and so from the beginning, your your style was definitely you know set up punchline. Yeah, uh, I f- my favorite comedians are like uh, Dave Attell, Mitch Hedberg, Stephen Wright, people like that. And I think I developed the style because um, when I was like 13, 14, I was the kid that would like quote songs and stuff and put it on Facebook, you know, just like however I felt. I'm like, oh, this song lyric I can relate to. So I just like things that you could grab and quote, you know. Like, like comedically, you would... Well, I would do the song, I would do like seriously how I felt, but also like comedically... I really enjoy it. It's like something, being able to make someone laugh in the shortest amount of like words is like really cool to me. And was this on Facebook or was this on Facebook? Yeah. And on Twitter, when I got into Twitter, I think that's how I got into more joke writing because Twitter is like the perfect format, even though they now added uh, another 140 characters you can type, but it used to be like the perfect format. It's so small where you can only do a setup and punchline. You can't tell a story. And um, kids at school would always just be like, oh, your Twitter's really funny. And then that's what I'll do now is, like, I tweet things, and then based on the responses, I'll use them on stage and stuff. Okay. So social media was, like, your, your first real yeah. um, mic in some way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, in, like, fifth grade and stuff, because I've always been the class clown, I did... Uh, really? Were you? <laughs> yeah. You seem so mellow. I can't imagine you just... Oh, in class, I don't know. I'm a monster. (laughs) But, like, I was, like, the class clown that the teachers liked because uh, I wouldn't take too much. That's not helping you. Come on, what? (laughs) I wouldn't take too much away from the... Like, it was funny. I could make the teacher laugh, you know? So then the teacher can't be mad at me. It's like, all right, well, I giggled. I can't send him out of class. (laughs) Okay. And um, so I think that's where I found, like, my stage was in class. But, um, like, in fifth grade, I did a the talent competition, and me and my friends wrote, like, skits to do, and then, like, we, like, killed, you know, as much as you can in a fifth grade uh, talent competition. What high school was this? Oh, that was my elementary school, oh. and we did, like, we, like, always did skits and, like, stuff like that, because uh, we would always just try and be wild and be funny, and then uh, I think just the whole talent show experience gave me like oh sweet I could be like people are watching me and enjoying I'm entertaining people this is like really fucking cool Hmm. and I think that just stuck with me too is it filling a a certain void or something (laughs) uh I mean I just always known I could I could make people laugh so uh I just love comedy like I don't care for scary movies so I don't get like why would you pay to be scared um I just gravitated to things that are funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my dad's a funny person. My grandpa's a funny person, and so is my brother. So I just grew up in that too. And uh, I mean, like, really, what's better than like 
a belly laugh, you know, when you're, you're like, uh, you can't breathe, you're like tearing up. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite things. So early on, your, your dad and your brother really set up this, uh, gave you a sense of humor? Yeah. Well, what definitely. did your dad do? My dad, he, was, uh, he works for PG&E and stuff, but he was so just He's a like, blue-collar kind of guy. Yeah. So it's kind of like that, that you know, shit-talking kind of kind of uh, humor. Yeah, and it's also, it was very, like, childlike, like, and potty humor, too. <laughs> just stuff like that. Like, I remember one time my, my dad was on the couch with my mom, and our cat was next to him. And then he farted, and he my my mom was all like Robert, and he goes what? It was the cat, and just like tried to like convince my mom it was the cat, but it was like a human adult fart, and I was just as a kid like crying laughing, <laughs> like just the absurdity yeah. of it. Yeah, because <laughs> my dad was like in disbelief that she couldn't believe that it was not the cat. <laughs> How does your dad feel now that you're doing comedy? My dad's very supportive. Um, he hasn't seen me do it other than uh, like my Instagram clips, but he he likes it. He he, he always jokes like, "Oh, I'm where you got your sense of humor from huh. and your calling and stuff." Are you no longer in the picture right now? No, I live with him currently. Okay. Uh, he, he just hasn't come out to a, a show of yours. No, yeah, because um, since he works at like four in the morning too, oh Jesus, so he doesn't want to drive out from Morgan Hill. Watch me do a set at the caravan at like midnight or something, and drive back and have to wake up. I could be uh, tough. I understand. Yeah, yeah, and then um, just a lot of the shows I've had were either in like SF or just like just didn't work out. I mean, he's he he would love to come. Uh, it's just a matter of timing. How are your mother? Is she supporting your? Yeah, she's supportive. Um, her comedic aspirations. Yeah, my mom. My mom was always like a entertaining person as well. But I, I think I pulled more of my sense of humor from like my dad and brother, because mm-hmm. uh, my mom actually taught PE at my elementary school, and she would always do all these like fun activities, and all the kids I grew up with like know my mom and everything. Wait, she te- she taught at the same elementary school you attended? Well, just PE for like three years. It was a weird thing. <laughs> How was that dynamic? It was it was like fine. It wasn't a uh, I think it's special treatment treatment or anything um everyone just loved my mom and then i got more popular because they're like oh your mom's so cool you know because uh she was just a great uh teacher to be that was it like oh you're under your mom's shadow now or is it more like no it was uh a a lot were you happy for it is what i'm saying yeah i was pretty happy that my mom was there i mean i was a little kid i (laughs) you gotta be with my mom like who doesn't love their mom as a little kid and be separated from him uh-huh. I was like the kid that would like cry <laughs> like when she would drop me off from school. Oh, you were a crier. Because like, like in kindergarten for sure. <laughs> and she was like, like leaving. I was like, no, stay with me. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it just, because all the teachers knew me. So I was a, just a really well-known kid in elementary school. And then uh, everyone knew me too through my mom. So if anything, I just got respect. I just mm-hmm. got some street cred having my mom at school. Seems like you're a popular kid, even in high school. Yeah, I, um, especially because I did like football, and then I would uh, participate in the rallies and stuff at our school. Oh, you, um, had, you had school spirit. Yeah, well, it's not that I liked my schools; just I like to entertain people. What school is this again? Uh, Pioneer High School. Pioneer. Yeah. Is that the one by Saratoga? No. Um. Off of um. What is it? I'm uh, thinking Prospect. Yeah. Uh, this one's near. Oak Ridge Mall. I can't really think of the off street. Blossom Hill. Okay, got and, it. Um, maybe not even Blossom Hill. Dude. South so San bad. Jose. Yeah. Hey, I hear you now. Okay, yeah. cool. So you, you participated in like school events and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, and it, how was that growing up? Like, I see, I never expect in high school I got more into that. Like, elementary school, I was, um, you know, I was like very uh, outgoing and stuff. And then middle school hit, and then that's where, like, I went to a shitty middle school, and everyone was just mean and a bully. My middle school years were the worst ones yeah, for me, too. Yeah, middle school was shitty. And since I'm a big kid, like, I just got bullied a lot. and um, Like, straight up bullied? Or just uh, shit-talked at? Shit-talked at, and then, like, bullied, like, for real. Like, um, so they physically pinned you up and stuff like that? Uh, not as bad as that, but, like, thrown stuff at me. Like, I was in, uh, PE once, and we're playing basketball, and I remember, like, 
I just like moved over to this one point. Uh, a kid got the ball. We made eye contact, and he just threw it at my face as hard as he could. And like <laughs> he was just like sorry, and it's like what? So he apologized. <laughs> he, he, he apologized. What kind of bully is that? Yeah, he knew intentionally what he was doing, but it was like to make it seem like an accident in the whole game. Um, Why do you think that is? Why were they picking on you? I was an easy target. I was a fat kid, you know. But even then, I don't remember my the bullies I had in middle school. They didn't fuck with the fat kids because the fat kids would fuck them up. <laughs> well, I was kind of beta, I guess, in middle school, especially like because. Um, that's like I had all my friends in elementary school, and then once like sixth grade hit, you're split into all these different classes yeah. with other kids from other schools. So I think the problem of like trying to find new friends and everything, and then my other friends found new friends, so I had to find a new group, and then God, just kids just being mean. I it, it was only like a select few kids that would bully me, and then um, everyone I was like a pretty nice kid, cool with people. Um, there was just a few bad apples. So how'd you handle it? You just let it, you're like, oh, well, yeah, I just just get to high school. (laughs) Yeah. Just about it. Uh, cause I couldn't, I was just scared. Like I didn't want to, I didn't know how to stick up for myself, I guess. Um, like, especially these kids, they were like kind of like joining gangs and stuff, I guess around that age. Like the kid that threw a, the basketball at my face. Yeah. He was, uh. Was it a Peckerwood or whatever? Like a, the white gang? What? Like, yeah, he joined like a white gang. The Peckerwoods? I don't even know. I, I think that was just a lyric from uh, Afro Man's song. He's like, the Peckerwoods don't First of all, none. I didn't know we even had white gangs around here besides the uh, bikers. The, the, the Aryan Brotherhood. <laughs> or the Aryan Brotherhood. Yeah. Wait, are know. you telling me that there was the Aryan Brotherhood like middle school <laughs> edition? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, they rode Harleys to school and everything. The little, the little mongoose or something. Yeah. Bikes. Yeah. It was adorable bullying, actually. <laughs> and they cut themselves to picker ones. I hope they did. That's just dick twice. <laughs> oh, man. So so you had these white bullies. Well, I had that one white bully, and then um, I had, like, two, like, Spanish-Mexican bullies, and um, I think they just p- picked on me because I was white. Oh, and a black kid bullied me because yeah. I was white. But the difference was that the Latinos and the white guy weren't a gang. I think, um... And the black kid just for the sake of fun, I guess? I don't know. Is that (laughs) what happened? The black kid just didn't like me because he thought I was wealthy, which I wasn't at all. (laughs) And, um... So I remember in fucking, uh... There used to be this website where you could, uh... Anonymously ask people questions and whatnot. Forgot what it's called, but, uh... Like Ask Jeeves? Uh, I guess, but if it was like a social media thing where you make an account and then people could ask you questions either anonymously anonymously or not. Like chat rooms. Yeah, sort of, but it's like a direct page for yourself. So like if you had a Facebook page and then people put on your wall, but they could choose to be anonymous and then you like had to, re- you could read it and respond. Um, I remember he just like put a bunch of shit on there. It was like fucking white rich piece of shit. <laughs> Damn. Just like, God, I'm fucking... He was really projecting on Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... No, that I, I ignored, and then, uh... Do you feel, because you had this bullying experience, that kind of helped you in some ways have a sense of humor to cope with it? Like, oh, yeah. Like, in some ways, did you try to make the bullies laugh? Uh... To get out of it? Because that's pretty common along uh, a lot of comedians in their youth. Yeah. I never took it that route. Um... I could make fun of myself very easily, but it's usually with people I'm comfortable with. Um, but those those kids, because I was just so like not confident in myself and stuff when I was in middle school, uh, just based on like a lot of things. Like uh, my parents going through like their divorce and whatnot. So How old were you when they got divorced? It started like when I was in first grade, and then probably like it finalized probably around like sixth or seventh. So it was kind of. So at this time, your mother was still teaching you PE, while the, uh, while the divorce proceedings were happening. Yeah, that's what that was like. My middle school, or not middle school, my elementary school from third to fifth grade. Right. And then fifth grade was her last year there because of like they passed some law or something where you have to be an actual like certified teacher to do that, like go to school or something. I don't know. Mm. And uh, so she stopped doing that, 
and then you know I stopped having my mom too around uh but yeah middle school is just you went through a lot man oh yeah <laughs> uh especially it's, it's almost hard to believe that you're such a sweet guy right now considering what happened to you <laughs> I think all that just makes me sweeter because uh I don't know like people are people I'm a person I think uh everyone should just be here to help or get out of the way uh like uh, I don't get people that are rude to someone they don't know like I work in the food industry yeah. and I serve people and people like right off the bat are like real I'm like yo I'm here to help you like we yeah. both have the same goal I want to get you food you want to get food so work together <laughs> it's a whole kind. different dynamic yeah money is involved and this expectation of quote unquote service is involved I, I honestly believe that every it should be mandatory for a lot of youth at least at least during high school age maybe even after high school to take a year of working in the service industry oh. <laughs> you know just to yeah. get a good feel how it feels from the other side yeah exactly because because uh, I, I worked in the restaurant business mm-hmm. you know I worked at Togo's and also worked at Gordon Beers yeah uh, I, I was not a runner or anything like that but you know I had a good sense with you know sometimes catering uh-huh. and yeah man people in a matter of minutes it could fucking <laughs> fuck up your day yeah yeah real easily Especially like over the dumbest things too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, especially because they don't know what you're going through before then, and it's just like they could be the fucking the cherry on top of the Sunday that that just you know brings everything together, and you're like, all right, now now this is a bad day for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just I don't see like the point of being mean or rude or like just try to be I just try to be the nicest person I can be now I'm just nervous for you being in comedy (laughs) there's a lot of negative people in comedy yeah but um I mean I'm I'm guilty of it sometimes I'm on shitty days and I just I I am frankly sometimes uh, I hate saying this but I get rude sometimes not because I want to but it just comes out yeah no I I get that um oh yeah sorry about that my apologies (laughs) (laughs) I uh you, I believe you're a generally nice person too. As I try. Well. It's just you know, there's a certain, and when you run your own room, I can understand because you got these people. They're like, oh, can I uh, change my spot? I want to go here now, and you ha- you have a a shit ton of things going on. Yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, oh yeah, uh, but thank you. You, and I know where you're coming from because you yeah. hosted for Scotty. Yeah, you co-hosted with Ryan. Yeah, I appreciate I, it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So you get, you get a good taste of what I was going through. Yeah, I I realize, realized how hard it is to host. I was like, God damn, because it was my first time, so uh, I, was, I, I was like nervous bringing people up and whatnot, and just like having, like, um, getting the timing right and stuff. I know Ryan fucked up on some people's uh, timings, like Sanj, he only gave Sanj like four minutes, and Sanj was so mad, he was like, he was like, let me go up again, Tyler. I was like, dude, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to give you two minutes, because we have like eight other comedians. How are you guys keeping up time? Ryan left his phone up there when he like... <laughs> he guesstimated? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that... I want to get in, into hosting because I think I have enough time where I could be a decent host. Because you do your time and then you just bring people on and off. Because I think that's the next step for me in comedy. It's a good learning curve. Yeah. And almost to the business side of it, of just running a room. Yeah. You know, understanding the politics of you know ownerships yeah. of the venues. Understanding the expectations of the audience. Trying to keep up an energy. And also uh, catering to the comedians, you know, make sure they're having a good time and make yeah. sure they're the best possible, you know, because a lot of people assume that you should bring in the comedians and the bring in, and the comedians are bringing an audience. Yeah. But I, I frankly don't, don't believe that because one, it's an open mic. It's practice, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm not expecting comedians to do the best. Yeah. I'm expecting them to bomb, you know, and hopefully they do bomb so they can learn from because I, I ultimately as a host. I want you guys to succeed. I want you guys yeah. to get funnier. Uh, so uh, that's why it's important to like kind of look at it almost three dimensionally. Uh-huh. It's like comedians, audience, and the owners of yeah. the restaurant. And yeah. once you have that perspective, I feel you have a better idea of like really navigating different venues and different rooms. Yeah, that's true. Like for me, it helped me a lot. Yeah, you know, now I, it's, it's easier for me to really read a room, really yeah. get a feel for it. 
Yeah. As opposed to prior, I just didn't give a shit. You know, people were like, <laughs> "Yeah, come perform here." I was like, "All right, yeah, just no yeah. shits." And and then I got up there and and plowed my way through it. And now I'm like, "All right, let's see what the room's like and stuff like that." Yeah. So did you get that feel for it? Um, see, that's one thing I'm learning still is uh like the feel for a room. Uh, I know for Scotty's generally a more college based crowd. I normally generally do well at for Scotty. Mm-hmm. Um. I think I just need to work on, like, bar scenes and stuff like that on room. I need to get better legs and silence, you know? Uh, yeah, but the bar scene will definitely make a man out of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Had some uh, pretty interesting nights at bar scenes, <laughs> at bar, like, caravan. Someone wanted to fight me once. Why? Uh, so they were just, like, really loud and stuff in the middle of the room, just, like, these giant white dudes. And uh, they were ruining everybody's set, like, derailing people and whatnot and uh just being an overall nuisance and i'm doing like a joke and then he comments on my joke and i said i was like oh did you guys just walk here from charlottesville because it was like a week after that and then right when i said that he lost his mind <laughs> just like oh you piece of shit you think you're so tough with that mic i'll beat your ass when you're off stage <laughs> and it was just like Zero to one hundred, and then Otto and uh, the security guard—they came in and like calmed him down and stuff. Luckily, <laughs> and they still kept him in the room. Yeah, and then I I like went outside after, and I was like, oh shit! And he walks out, but I was talking to my coworker, and um, he was just like commenting from afar about it, and I was just ignoring him as he was like twice my size, even though I'm a pretty big dude. Oh wow! Yeah, he was he was a big boy. And uh, I wasn't in uh, the mood to get punched in the face that night for jokes. <laughs> what is was that like the worst experience you had on stage? Uh, besides no. bombing, of course. Uh, <laughs> I say bombing is worse. That was scary. Um, but I actually I did well. I had a good set because of all that. Like I snowballed and um, like the the audience was just feeling me, and then uh. Yeah, so I think that was an overall good experience because it taught me to be more, like, less fearful of someone when they're, like, doing that because I, I was still, like, going at him when he was saying that he was going to, like, beat my ass and stuff. Um, I'd say probably my worst experience in comedy was getting banned from the gong show. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I feel real <laughs> shitty about that because out of all comedians in the scene, you are the last person I would think to get banned. And if anything, your your humor is like the caters to that crowd. In some yeah, way. no, I was doing well. Yeah. I was doing fine that night. It was just some some girl. So walk me through it again because I have a couple things to, to, to note of it, but I just want to make sure that I got the facts right. Uh-huh. And that is, you know, the, the gong show, for those who don't know, it's like a once a month thing that happens at Cafe Stretch. And it's pretty much uh, acts go up, you know, not just mm-hmm. comedy, but several acts. They go up to perform. They have three minutes. And if the crowd's not digging it, you know, they could, you know, have, uh, you know, they could gong them. Yeah. Or if the judges don't dig the act, the judges can gong. Yeah. And that's been happening for a while. You, you've been performing there. Yeah, I really like the gong show because it's one of those rooms where it puts you in a situation where you feel like, all right, I'm fighting for my life here. Mm-hmm. And you're like constantly just trying to dig yourself out of a hole. It almost feels like. It's a good litmus test of yeah. your material. Yeah. Um, so what happened? So, uh, there was this chick in the back the whole night just booing everyone, you know, trying to get them gonged. Is she uh, one of the regulars? that? She happened to be, I guess, a regular that is also friends with everyone in the venue and uh, Mighty Mike. And um, so I, uh, you know, I do my set. She wasn't the problem for me at first, but um, so I'm doing my set. I get to this joke and it has the word retard in it. And um, the judge, one of the judges, it was Nazco and Faco, so they're not going to gong me. Right. And then this poet judge, right when I said retard, she like, nope, trigger word, and just gong me. So and, it was the poets. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, the crowd was liking me, but uh, she just didn't. I got gonged for that, and go- getting gonged is pretty hurtful. You know, it's one thing to bomb, and then it's another thing to get gonged <laughs> while you're bombing. Um so I get off stage after I get gonged, and right next to the register, Ryan, uh, Joseph Galang, and his girlfriend are. So I walk up to them, and we start talking. And that girl that was yelling stuff the whole night and, like, just being a nuisance, she was right there. 
at the register and she sees us and goes oh those are the people that got gong that means they're not funny so I hear that and I like I'm like excuse me excuse me like I stopped my conversation with them to like speak to her so at this point though what made you do that because again Cause, uh, you're very mellow like what hit a nerve with you when she uh, said that? it's a combination of getting gonged and also being called not funny like um comedy made me confident and I think it like made me able to stand up to the bully now you know mm-hmm. I think uh like back then I was nervous but comedy like if I could put myself in this situation I could probably you know handle more and um so comedy gave you a sense of self-worth more yeah definitely to, to, be, to, to really stand up to people now yeah okay and like um because I probably if I probably would have just like gritted my teeth and let her say whatever beforehand right. but um now I was like plus I also I was like two beers deep you know, I was a little loose. That, that doesn't help. Yeah, I was a little loose. And um, I just, since I just got gotten gonged, I was in an emotional state. And uh, when she said that I wasn't funny, I was like, excuse me? Excuse me. Hey, cunt. Excuse me. I called her a cunt like 40 times. And, uh Yeah, just variations of it. Fucking cunt. <laughs> you stupid cunt. And just like uh, a lot of that. Oh, man. Um, so after that, you really went off on her. Yeah, I, I was pissed because um, I'm not gonna let someone take that away from me. Because sometimes I feel like comedy is all I have in the sense of like, this is like my dream, you know. Uh-huh. And, so uh huh. So you took it very personal. Yeah, because uh-huh. like it, it hurts when someone says you're not funny. When it's like, I started like I was so mad. I was like, I was paid to do this like at these shows. I was oh, just like no. dropping, it. but like <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> Brought out your resume. <laughs> yeah, but she was just like, like, nope, like, you got gone, that means you're not funny, and just, like, persistent, just, like, being negative to me. And it's like, I wasn't doing anything to her, which also, like, like she, negative energy out of nowhere. Like, we're talking about being, like, good people earlier. Like, what's the point of that? What does that do for you to, be like, oh, those people are bad? Uh-huh. You know, when you don't even know them or even really gave them a chance? Um... So I was just upset, and I started to call her, uh, you know, cunt, and um, she, she like, after, like, ten minutes of that, like, she finally, like, sees... Were there other witnesses there? Like, was this happening out in the open? It was happening during the show. It was, like, so Mighty Mike was, like, like talking, whatever, doing whatever. So and... out of these ten minutes, nobody stepped in to cool down the situation? No, not until, because uh, it wasn't, like... Or to back you up? Or back no. her up? <laughs> no, it was just me versus her. Damn. And then, uh... You're like, this is the hill. I'm, you're willing to die on this hill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Making my stand here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, after after that, she, uh, she like, goes to walk away, but then she sees someone that works there, and she tells her, this person's calling me a cunt, <laughs> and then just walks away, and then she comes up, and she's like... Uh, the confidence on this chick, man. <laughs> I know. Jesus. That's what bothered me, too. It's like, how... like what's Well, the confidence <laughs> or the arrogance, I can't tell you. Right? <laughs> it's probably a mixture of both, because she just, like... The way she was speaking, it was like she was putting herself above me, too. Mm-hmm. And, um... But, by the way, to make it clear, was she a performer herself? No. You, so, you, you never seen her before? No, not at all. Okay. But she happened to just be good friends with everyone in the venue. Yeah. And, um... It's a small town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pick the worst person to do that with, but um, the, the reason I'm asking is by, by this time this because I've had certain altercations happen. I mean, I can't you know for Scotty is a bigger room. Yeah, but at, at this point you know I would have gotten involved as the host to make sure everything's yeah. cool on both parties. But I can understand in Cafe Stretch it's a much darker and a bigger yeah. room, and I'm sure Mighty Mike has a lot more things to worry about yeah. than just the com- comedy acts. I'm sure he didn't even notice because it's not like we were loud or anything. Yeah, because we were like like five feet from each other. I'm just surprised that this thing happened for ten long minutes. <laughs> well, ten's probably an exaggeration, but it was a good amount of time where it's like someone probably should have noticed before and stepped in, huh. but um. Yeah, so she tells that person that's working there that I'm calling her a cunt and then walks away. That person uh, comes up to me and was like, 
uh, you can't be calling our customers a cunt. <laughs> or like calling, she didn't say cunt, but he was like, you can't be calling our customers that word. I was like, well, it's a little bit too late. I called her a cunt like 40 times. And wow, man, you were heated. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I just doubled down. <laughs> and then uh, they are like, all right, well, you can get out of here. I was like, that's fine because I was leaving anyways. And I left. And then, um, yeah, and then, <laughs> and, then it, and then I found out like a week or two later that I was banned for all of that. In retrospect, what would you have changed? I probably would have called her a cunt way wittier. <laughs> I, I don't regret it at all. Uh, especially, like, if someone's talking down to me. Uh, especially, like, back then, it made up for being bullied and not saying anything. If I could do it now, then I'm going to do it. Like, Well... I think uh, in this situation, man, I was not there, by the way. But, you know, I, I, I understand that the gong show can sometimes foster this kind of ignorance among the audience. Because mm-hmm. uh, the the whole idea is you're gonging acts that are not good. Yeah. And some people um, don't get it, you know, from the performer side. It's like sometimes you build up an act for weeks. Sometimes you build an act days or something. Yeah. You put in a lot of time and work to make it work mm-hmm. and no matter what kind of room it is you know the the probability of you bombing is still still there yeah you know everything will go great and you can still bomb you can, everything will go bad and you can still do good mm-hmm. so a lot of audience members don't know that side of comedy mm-hmm. and in some ways you know it's for the better in some ways I guess but what I guess what I'm trying to say here is that I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that correlate performers getting gonged as not being good at their craft yeah um i i just wish you would re, you know relax if i was there if i was i don't know with the yeah. earshot like dude like it doesn't matter you know you're good yeah this one person you don't even know who's a stranger but it doesn't yeah. matter what she thinks i know that um i get that it was also like combination of since she was doing it to all my friends too that were performing Probably got a little bit of, like, heroism. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I'm going to be the guy that... Uh, so you stood up for your friends? Yeah. It was just everyone that was performing that Did night. they at least back you up in the moment? No, oh, no. Oh! <laughs> you, you must have comedian friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry. All right. I think they were going. just... Yeah. I think they were just more impressed with me standing there saying all that to her. And they're just in awe because <laughs> they didn't expect it. I didn't even expect it from myself. Mm-hmm. It was just like so instant. Like she said that I wasn't funny, and then instantly, like without even thinking, I was like, "Hey, you cunt!" <laughs> it was mm-hmm. like zero to one hundred. So what's the game plan now for 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 the for the Gong Show? Are you just gonna? I mean, honestly, I say let time blow over. Yeah, that's what I was gonna Cause, do. Because you're you're still. Not only are you young in the comedy game, but you, you got chops. You got yeah. good material. And your material is definitely not... God, these headphones are killing me. I'm sorry. There you go. Uh, your material is definitely not like graphic or anything like uh-huh. that. Like For the most part, I, I'm confident you'll be back there eventually. Yeah. I think so. Um, Even if I didn't get banned, I was not going to go for like a month or two just because I know... like. I didn't want to. I disrespected the venue by that, doing it there. That too. Yeah. Um, which is the one thing like I don't like that I did because Cafe Stitch is a great venue. They did yeah. nothing wrong. It was this one person. Um, uh, did you apologize to Mighty Mike? Yeah, I told him. Uh, I'm pretty sure I told him sorry because we talked about it um, outside of Caravan, uh, and he wanted me to apologize in some way to. Uh, I think just the lady and the venue. I didn't. Oh. I don't want to apologize to the lady at all. Yeah. Um, oh, understandably. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, and then I. I said I would apologize to the venue, but uh, I don't think it would change anything just because that lady's like a really good friend with everyone there. Uh, Mike said he would talk to the venue and see what could happen. Um, but yeah, it would probably just be a couple of months. Yeah. Because there's not that many comedians around here, yeah, um, that can provide um, 
the material you you provide because you have the reason why I feel you're you're I mean I'm not trying to suck your dick here but <laughs> you, I I do foresee success for you because you do have a distinct comedic voice at early on uh-huh. that most of us here I appreciate in, in, in this scene yeah um and and that's why I feel you're 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 distinct mm-hmm. um. And you're you're just fucking good. I'm pretty sure you'll be back there eventually. Just stay yeah. cool. I, I, that's what I think. So yeah, but, I wouldn't do it again. I don't think, but or at least uh, I would choose my words a lot better. It was just a heat of the moment type of thing. Yeah, because I didn't expect myself to get that that angry about it too. Because yeah, I generally am a really chill person. Yeah, and and I get it, man. I you know I you go through heated. Sometimes you, you get pissed off at the audience mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, it's just a shitty thing to go through. Yeah. And it's a shit, it, but it's a, it's a learning curve, man. Yeah. As time goes on, you're going to figure out, well, fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm young. Uh, if anything, it's better I learn this lesson now than yeah. later. Well, what's interesting in your case is that they're actual comedians boycotting now. Really? Uh, they're, they're refusing to perform at the gong show now. Really? <laughs> yeah, you, you haven't heard? I know Ryan and Sanj aren't, but yeah. I didn't know that more were. Yeah, so that's pretty funny. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's cool. I like that, then. <laughs> well, how much of the acts at the gong show are comedy? Most of them. Most of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool, I guess. It's cool to know that the scene kind of has my back in that retrospect. Well, you're a good guy. I think it's important yeah. to be a good person. I think if you're a good person in general, people will back you up. Uh-huh. I'm just surprised they didn't back you up in the moment. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I But I don't see those two, or the two people I was with right there doing anything in a situation. Like, if like she said it and I wasn't there, they probably would have just ignored it, too. Um, and then I pretty much just took the lead, too. It was there was no pause for them to jump in and just like yeah you can't <laughs> just back me up like that. I have a theory though, because the way a person who witnessed it described it to me was that she really wanted to get your attention when she was saying these things to you guys. Uh huh. That yeah. she was really trying to get your guys' attention, you know, by saying these, you know, you guys yeah. are not funny, you guys are not good. I feel like she was flirty. I yeah I, I feel like, I, I feel maybe she was <laughs> nagging you guys and you just reacted <laughs> the worst way the worst way damn it <laughs> well um, maybe I should apologize to her then huh? <laughs> it's like were you hitting on me like, is that why you you were being a bitch to me like what's the deal I know it would have been so romantic if we just started to make out after I called her a cunt forty yeah. times <laughs> like say it again oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, but you've, you've been traveling, doing comedy as well. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I went out to Ontario with Rivas Dunlap and did um, the Ontario Improv down there. How was that experience like? It was a really it was a really cool experience. It was my first road gig, and um, I got to do the show with Sebastian Centina, who is a Latino comic down there that does uh, the Laugh Factory a lot and always puts on like the the Latino night there. And then um, Jeff Garcia, who, uh, he was a legend. They both murdered it. But watching Jeff Garcia, because he's the voice of Sheen Estevez and Jimmy Neutron. Uh-huh. And I grew up watching that show. Sheen, so, yeah. so it was like my first experience, like, on, like sharing a stage with someone that I have respected and loved. And uh, Were you starstruck, you know, rubbing shoulders with these guys? I was, I was pretty starstruck, but uh, I worked at the improv, so I see famous people all the time. Uh, I was I was just uh, more nervous. I didn't really like go into deep conversation with them. I just introduced myself. I was like, "Hey, I love your stuff and whatnot." And then uh, that was like the extent of it. As he came in late, just popped in for a set and then left. But um, it was a cool experience because I got to work like a, a road crowd. Um, mm-hmm. and then the night before, I went to the comedy store and stuff. So I got like my mind right. Like, yeah, I want to do comedy. It was a uh, it was a great experience as a comedian, like going on the road like that with uh, another comedian friend and just working out material and whatnot. Hmm. How about in the Bay Area? Where else have you been performing? Uh, I've done shows in SF, uh, Albany. How, how was your, how was the reception in SF? They they love me. My first showcase was um, at the Milk Bar, a hella funny thing with like Stroy Moyd and uh, Tony Sparks hosted it. 
Um, and I that was the best set I've ever had. Hmm. Was on that showcase. I I have good experiences in SF usually. Yeah, good crowds. They're yeah. very vocal. They're very smart too. They smart they, really. They they get. My I hear life. that, but I, I I've <laughs> yet to really put it put it to the test. Well, like what um one of my jokes that I do it gets it normally gets a d- delay down and around here, but in SF there's less of that delay. You know which one is it? The um I've never shot a gun. That's a good one. Yeah, it's a great joke, but yeah. uh like people take time to process the because it's a weird target you know the punchline yeah yeah and uh in sf it's just more like you know that like they get it like <laughs> instantly um i think also maybe it's because of the the quality of mic too uh people just aren't paying attention but like it at uh, brainwash in sf usually the whole room's facing you and listening so uh it's just more attentiveness more mm-hmm. people i guess are you still working at the improv yeah, I kind of want to leave there, though. Wow. That's actually pretty common. I know yeah. a lot of people get into the improv, and after a while they get, I don't know, tired of it, I guess? Yeah, it's a really stressful and exhausting job, but it's also a really cool one. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're working, like, comedy shows of people you love. Uh, but at the same time, since the San Jose Improv, it's a 450-seater, and the way they seat people there is everyone at once. And I expo the kitchen, so I get all these orders... And I'm constantly stressed out the whole time just from, like, going around trying to do everything. Because um, they got, like, a small window of time to get these orders out yeah, there. Yeah. Um, the shows are an hour and a half, and some shows will start dinner service before. So we'll get, like, two hours of the doors opening before the show so people could come in and order stuff. But uh, second shows is when everyone's waiting outside. And depending on the comedian, the comedian probably went over, like, 30 minutes making these people wait. And we got to get them in, send them down. They're angry and hungry. <laughs> and uh, it's just so much because since there's so much going on, like, we'll have food that takes, like, an hour and a half to go out. It'll be like a plate of nachos or something. <laughs> it's so bad. Hmm. Um, what act did you witness there that impacted you the most? Uh, Probably Rocky Laporte. He was this, uh, he was on Last Comic Standing. I don't know how far he made it, but he's a very like joke writer type of comic I wouldn't say like one liner but it's uh the way that he structures it and everything it just like out of all the comedians I've seen it he was the one I resonated most with and I saw I was like god damn this is some like good comedy this is like what I want to be uh cause I don't know he just had this demeanor and a stage presence and it was just like one of those acts where I got like hypnotized and like I was supposed to, I watched it for like 30 minutes and I was only on my 10, you know? And I was like, oh shit, I've been in here for half of his show or half of his set. Hmm. Okay. Who was the worst act that you, you were like, oh. Because oh. sometimes you watch Most acts, <laughs> you, you watch acts from like national headliners and you, it's, yeah. it's like just cringeworthy watching yeah. a hero. <laughs> At the same time, it could be inspiring because yeah. they bomb, you bomb. Yeah. Um, I would say a lot of the good people that we've had generally like were great experiences but we had um who was it uh john lovitz john lovitz yeah he uh (laughs) yeah he was kind of all over the place and then he was like i don't know he did stand up i thought he was just a comedic actor yeah i didn't even know he did it either i got to feed his dog though that was pretty cool um he he was like all over the place with his stuff and it wasn't like necessarily like a structured set it was probably just like it's his name and he was just kind of talking about whatever (laughs) did you have like his super young girlfriend there no it was just him and his dog and uh i just remember like it was more conversational than than anything it was like a ted talk almost was like a so essentially it was like a a one-man play a one-man is that what they call him I get one man show. A one man show. I, he probably had an opener. I don't remember much because this was like month eight of me working there, and uh, yeah, generally I honestly don't watch a lot of the acts unless it's someone that I really want to see. Um, I just remember like I wanted to see him because Bench Warmers was like one of my favorite movies growing up, and uh, 
I just like I remember going out watching like three minutes. I was like, all right, that's enough for me. <laughs> I just laughed so, and walked back. Movie wise, you really gravitated towards like the the uh, Adam Sandler kind of type of genre. Yeah, I guess so because I did. Uh, Wait, was Adam Sandler bench warmers? No, or Schneider. That's what I'm Schneider, saying. but oh, it was Schneider. probably the Happy Gilmore or not Happy Gilmore. What is their Happy Madison Productions? Productions, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just like I always watched like um, Happy Gilmore and stuff growing up. Like those were movies that I'd have on repeat, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I I like that style of humor. And my brother really looks like Adam Sandler too. If he grows clearly, <laughs> really, really? yeah. My <laughs> did your brother ever see you do comedy? No, he hasn't. He's uh, He's funny too. He could have done comedy. Well, what's the age difference between you two? He's twenty four. I'm twenty one. Uh huh. Yeah. So it's about about three years. When he was a senior in high school, I was a freshman. You guys close? Yeah, we're we're pretty close. Um, but we both got kicked out, so I haven't seen him in a while. You know? Kicked out from where? From my mom's house. Oh, sorry to hear yeah. that. No, it's all good. Oh, nice but, but you guys got kicked out at the same time. Uh, so <laughs> kind of, sorta. Um, so my stepdad wanted us out. Um, or for us to pay rent, but my stepdad's a dick, and I don't want to give him money that I worked for and earned. Sure. So I refused, and then I got kicked out earlier. My brother was paying rent, so uh, he had like a couple more months. And you guys both living with your father now? I'm living with my dad. Um, he is living with a bunch of friends. His his friend, like one of his best friends, their parents moved, and they're renting out their house to him and his friends. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Okay, is he also trying to pursue comedy, your brother? No, he's actually really into, like, tattooing and art and stuff like that. Um, so it seems like you come from a creative family. Yeah. Were your parents creative? My mom, like, scrapbooked a lot and stuff, I guess, in the realm of that. Um, my dad was creative, I guess, because he would make, like, models and stuff, you know, like, model ships. Oh, wow. And, um, like, wooden <laughs> ones, like huge ones like like That's a lot of patience yeah jesus it's, it was like i always see him like he had that like giant magnifying glass with the light that you would like put in front and work on like little figurines on and you get like really detailed into that and um he would always buy me like model airplanes that we'd build together and different things did you dig it yeah <laughs> you still do them now I don't, I don't do them now, but I did, like, really enjoy them back in the day, cause, especially because, like, I'm spending time with my dad, and we're, like, building, like, cool war planes and stuff. When you're a little kid, you know, war is so cool to you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, Tyler, we're almost at an hour. Oh, we're, sweet. We're almost out of here. It's a great time to you, man. Yeah, it was a great talk. I like this talk. You know, I, I, re- I, re- I really like you, man. You're a real cool guy yeah. in the comedy scene, and I... It's unfortunate that you know you don't have the go go gong show. Gong, <laughs> it's gone now, right? It's yeah, not, it's yeah, the gong, gong show. Gong. Yeah, uh, because close uh, enough. Because they bring in great audience to, to see your stuff. Yeah, um, but hey, I'm glad. I'm glad for dude. You've here's why I respect you. Uh, it is because you jump in when you, when I most need someone. Yeah, and you just don't give a fuck. You know, <laughs> I'm like, hey, Tyler, I need someone to to debate. Yeah. You're you're on it. Yeah. Or or you know, sometimes we get the make me laugh segments. Yeah. So I don't if those ever frustrate you or seem inconvenient, um. I apologize. <laughs> but, but man, you saved my ass. So I owe yeah, you I, I owe you big. I like the debates. The debates are fun because it's uh it's brings me out of my usual format of just jokes. Mm-hmm. And now I'm trying to make more poignant things that, that are like funny too. Um and it's not. It's no longer just a setup punchline. At that point, it, I get like way more analytical and stuff. It puts me in a different zone. The uh, make me laugh. Those are fun. It's just that sometimes it's so hard because like people like I expect it to be way easier. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna make this chump laugh. <laughs> nope. Next thing I know, you have to give them three different free things from Friscotti. <laughs> hey, that's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to work on new segments, though. I'm, yeah. trying, I'm trying to really diversify. I like that, though, because most mics are just, you know, A to B, like this person, that person. I like a segment in there. It, it, it makes the mic more lively or brings more energy. Well, yeah. Yeah. That definitely was the plan. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I... I Hosting a mic, sometimes I burn myself out. Yeah. It, it seems monotonous. <laughs> you know, sometimes you hear the same jokes all over again. Yeah. Which is usually not a problem, but as a host and a comedian at the same time, it's like, 
you know, let's bring something different. And yeah. for and it's hard to really have a following uh-huh. if it's you know the same old same old. So it's great to have these these segments coming in to keep people coming back. Yeah, and checking it out. Yeah, you know. But but then again, uh, for Scotty is the only one of its kind around here. Uh-huh. So it's it's all a big experiment, really. Yeah. It didn't, like I'm surprised we're even going three years. I know that's that's pretty crazy. That's a long time for a mic to run. There's so many times where it was this short of just not of just oh god, you know, <laughs> yeah, expl- like just you know being uh, cut off. Uh huh. Um, and even to this day, there's still some danger of that. But you gotta love what you do, right? Yeah, I think yeah. For Scotty, definitely is one of my favorite places. I'll definitely remember it. Years into my comedy career, I'll be like, for Scotty, will hold a special place in my heart. <laughs> yeah, you go on and you come back, and I'm still there, you know, more bald and old, with the cane. Yeah, cane, the whole gray beard. Gray beard. Oh, the prodded joke, the sun came back. I don't know. I fucked that, fucked that up. All right, guys. We good to go? Yeah, I'm good. If you're good. Tyler, thank you for coming. Yeah, no problem. This was a great uh, experience. I had fun. Yeah. Have a good rest of your week, everyone. Thank you for tuning in once again. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Tyler Standard. You can catch him perform often at my open mic at Cafe Frascati in downtown San Jose on Wednesday nights. And uh, don't forget, I forgot uh, that uh, this Wednesday, I have a JMS podcast comedy show at the Ritz. Starts at 8 o'clock. So I hope you, hopefully you guys can make it. It's in downtown San Jose at the corner of San Salvador and First Street at the Ritz. JMS podcast comedy fest. First of its kind. Please come support and check it out. All right, guys. See you guys next week. Have a good one. And uh, we have a, a musician coming over. And uh, I'm looking forward for next week's episode already. All right, sayonara.